Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a holistic health coach and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, services, programs, and current ebooks. You can also find me on my other podcast, Straight Up Paleo. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and most importantly, enjoy the show. Hey, hey, hey! Happy Monday, or whatever day you're listening to this. Welcome back to the show. I hope you are doing very well. I just completed another day of insane recipe testing. And by insane, I mean insanely delicious. It's a little bit dangerous developing recipes when they're this good, I have to tell you. Not tuning my own horn, but... I'm having a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of hard work developing recipes. And I'm tired, but my apartment smells great. Only set the fire alarm off twice, so we're all good. And very excited because this means you guys are going to get a lot of really delicious recipes coming your way. I go through phases where... I don't develop anything for a few months and then all of a sudden I develop 5 million things and put all the recipes out. So I'm in one of those phases where I'm feeling very inspired and I'm usually feeling very inspired because I'm procrastinating doing something else if I'm being 100% honest. And right now I have just a lot going on and so this is my creative outlet and it's getting all of my nerves and stress out. I'm just cooking it away. So... Maybe that will work for you too. I don't know. Speaking of nerves and stress and mood in general, I mean, I think we all live pretty stressful lives. And there are a lot of different supplements out there that help to manage stress and anxiety and help to improve our mood. But one thing that's really important to think about is that 90% of your serotonin which is a neurotransmitter that affects your mood, social behavior, appetite, sleep, memory, and more, is produced in our gut. You guys know I'm very passionate about gut health. And studies have shown that improving the amount of beneficial bacteria in your gut is the key to elevating serotonin levels in the gut. And that can help improve your mood, your stress levels, all of the things. And this brings me to this week's sponsor, Just Thrive Probiotic and Antioxidant. I've talked about them before. If you're a client or someone in one of my programs, you know that this is my favorite probiotic. And I recommend it to everybody. It's very hard It's very hard to find a good, high-quality probiotic. And I'm very picky. And this is one that I have seen really, really great results with. And it is actually the first 100% spore-forming probiotic that arrives alive in the intestines naturally. Unfortunately, a lot of probiotics 
are not still alive by the time they reach your gut. So you're kind of wasting your money. And I don't know about you, but I do not like wasting my money. I also love this probiotic because they have done studies showing that this can help to heal leaky gut in 30 days. This is something that I work with so many people to help them overcome leaky gut. It's incredibly widespread in our culture, otherwise known as intestinal permeability. So many people struggle with leaky gut because it can be caused by a number of things, including stress, but also just living the standard American lifestyle and eating the standard American diet and taking too many antibiotics and NSAIDs and just not taking care of ourselves. So because this is so widespread, this probiotic can really, really benefit everybody, whether or not you have leaky gut. I think everybody really, really needs to have a high quality probiotic in their health regimen. And this one is amazing because it's not just a probiotic, but it's also an antioxidant. So it's going to make it all the way to your gut. It's 100% spore-based And you will notice a difference when you have a good, high-quality probiotic in your life. Trust me. It's a total game changer. It has the research behind it to back it up. And you can read all about it on their website as well. So if you want to check it out, go to bit.ly slash justthrivecrw and stock up. You can get your probiotic. It doesn't have to be stored in the fridge because it's that stable. And let me know what you think. I would love to hear your experience with this. I have so many people who have already told me that they've gotten it and loved it. And again, this is what I recommend to all my clients and those who are in my program. So I would not recommend this if I didn't also personally use it and notice a really, really great improvement from it. So again, go ahead and head to bit.ly slash justthrivecrw to check it out. It could be a total game changer for you in your health routine. You'd be surprised how many things can be solved just with a high quality probiotic. And speaking of gut health and cooking, this is all very relevant to today's guests. I'm super excited because today on the show, I have Matt and Mega from Keto Connect. And if you don't already know about Matt and Mega, they run ketoconnect.net, which is a website with a ton of very delicious keto-friendly recipes. They have an awesome YouTube channel, Keto Connect. They also have a podcast, Keto for Normies, and they just released a cookbook that's pretty darn amazing. It's called Keto Made Easy and I highly, highly recommend it. So they're a couple. They were boyfriend and girlfriend when we recorded this, but now they're engaged. So congrats. Very excited about that. They're now engaged. Oh my gosh, I love it. But Basically, they, well, they share a bit about their story on this episode, but they started a ketogenic diet a while back and they basically are self-experimenters and they're all about making keto accessible for normal people and bringing out all this information to just everyone, making it digestible and fun. And honestly, (laughs) their YouTube channel is so addicting and so fun to watch. I, I highly recommend you watch it. They're just, I get a kick out of them. They're hilarious and down to earth and real and normal and funny and 
I just love them and they're full of great information. They're both incredibly smart. So you get a lot of high quality value out of them. This episode, we really geek out on all things keto. I love these types of conversations. I'm just going to warn you, if talking about numbers or tracking or macros triggers you in any way, doesn't sit well with you, then this episode might not be for you because we do talk all about that stuff. We really get into keto and macros and numbers and grams and all of the things. So just be warned about that. Also, I feel like I have to preface this because we run into this over and over again, but it's an important part of being able to consume information. We live in a world where there is a lot of information at our fingertips, and we also are seeing what everybody is doing. We see what everyone's eating, what everyone's talking about. It's all on Instagram. It's all on Twitter. It's all on Facebook. And in order to live in this world and stay sane, we have to be able to either draw boundaries with what we consume in terms of information or consume that information but not feel like everything we hear we have to implement into our own lives and like everything we hear is quote right and that we need to follow what everyone else is doing so either one of those slash both of those has to happen so just because a ketogenic diet a ketogenic lifestyle works for one person doesn't mean that it has to be what you do or maybe it will not work for you so I'm just prefacing this because I run into this a lot with people, but, you know, on this podcast, I like to talk about every topic that I think is fascinating and interesting, and I want to expose you to a wide variety of different guests and talk about things that are relevant in the health and wellness world and just see all different perspectives and all different ways of doing things because there's not one correct way of doing something you know we got to figure out what works for us so the more we learn about other people I think that can just help spark ideas it doesn't mean that we have to copy everyone around us probably not a good idea to just go and copy everyone around us rather than listening to our own bodies you know so that's just my little my little preface I have a lot of really awesome guests coming up soon on the podcast I cannot wait for you guys to hear from But I just wanted to say that so that you keep it in mind for when you're consuming information, not just on this podcast, but all podcasts and on social media and everywhere. So those are just my thoughts. And one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I love Matt and Mega so much is that they really are truly self-experimenter. So they put things to the test and try it out on themselves and see what their personal experience is with the different things in the ketogenic realm specifically. They don't just hear something, take it as the word of God, adopt it into their own lives and never question it. You know, they test everything out. And I think that is really awesome. It's all about hacking your lifestyle so that you feel your absolute best, you know? And speaking of doing that, something that I like to hack so I feel my absolute best is my sleep, you know? So I have to remind you guys about Somnifix, which is the most incredible sleep hack ever. I know so many people struggle with their sleep. Honestly, the most common things that people ask me to help them with is gut health, 
hormones and sleep. And those are all very, very related. And this is why I love the Somnifix because it's something that you can literally just put on your mouth and see relatively instant results with. Besides the quick acclimation period at the beginning, if you don't know what it is, it's mouth tape. So you put the Somnifix mouth tape over your mouth when you sleep and it is hypoallergenic. It's specially designed so it doesn't hurt when you take it off and it has a little air vent, breathing vent in the front so you, you can breathe a little bit through it. But basically, it's designed to keep your mouth shut while you're sleeping. And this helps so that you breathe through your nose because we're actually designed to breathe through our noses. And actually, my mom was, she's a dental hygienist by, I mean, that's what she went to school for. She doesn't do it anymore, but she still goes to her favorite dental convention every year, you know. And she was telling me how at the dental convention, they had this a whole talk about the importance of getting people to breathe through their noses rather than their their mouths because it really affects oral health and dental health. And then that also affects overall immunity and the gut microbiome. So that was incredibly interesting. So the Somnifix really helps with this because it helps you to breathe through your nose while you're sleeping. Breathing through your mouth can lead to dry mouth, sore throat, nasal congestion. It can cause snoring. It can lower your blood oxygen saturation. And like I said, just really worsen your immunity. It affects your overall health, your fitness, and your sleep. When we're sleeping, it's hard for us to be aware of the way we're breathing. So that's where the Somnifix mouth strips come in. So if you want to try them out, you can use the code CRWSLEEP for 15% off at Somnifix.com, which will lead you right to Amazon, or you can just go straight to Amazon. I cannot tell you how much this has helped me sleep all the way through the night. I get really deep REM sleep because of this. I do not wake up multiple times during the night because of it. Many people cannot make it through the night and this might solve it for you. It keeps you in that parasympathetic state, which is incredibly important so that we stay asleep, our bodies can repair. It's amazing. So get your best night's sleep. You can go to somnifix.com or Amazon and get your box with the code CRWSLEEP for 15% off. Now that I've reminded you about Somnifix, which I highly recommend, it's about time to learn a few more hacky things from Matt and Mega from Keto Connect. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this, so let's just hop right in. Thank you guys so much for coming on my podcast. I am so excited to chat with you all the way from Atlanta different world over there so thanks for coming on thanks for having us yeah we're excited to chat so for people who aren't familiar with you can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves who are you yeah we are keto connect as a unit but (laughs) individually um my name's matt and basically started a keto diet a couple years ago um i was a computer engineer at the time so it was like a side thing when we actually started making recipe videos started a food blog youtube channel and now this is what we do for a living and we've been doing it for like the past year um yeah i like cooking a lot like creating new recipes and making youtube videos is pretty fun too yeah, um, I went to law school and um, luckily found out quickly after I failed the bar that um, <laughs> law was definitely not 
the path I wanted to take. And we were also starting Keto Connect and it just panned out. I had a job for a little bit, but then I quit soon after. And we, we love making videos, experimenting with our diet and the foods we eat and sharing that with people. And fortunately we've brought a lot of value through those experiments to everyone and gained a following. And we are very fortunate to be able to do this full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think what's so interesting about what you guys do is like, I love that you have the male and female perspective because no one else really has that. Um, and there's a lot of science thrown out around keto, but I personally am more interested in personal experiences. Um, so that's why I love watching all the stuff you do and all of the experiments you try on yourselves. I want to know, how did you meet? <laughs> We met through online dating, OkCupid, okay yep. in San Francisco. Um, I love that. Yeah. That's so classic. OkCupid okay in San Francisco, of course. Yeah. I know. Uh, it's becoming more popular. Like now I'm, I'll meet people and they'll be like, oh, yeah, we met on Tinder and we're married for 10 years or yeah. like three years or whatever. And it's just it's so you don't you can't know who's out there. And online dating makes everyone easy at your access. Yeah. Right? When I was first, like when we first met, it was more weird to tell people that I feel like, and now it's just like totally normal to be like, yeah, we met online dating. Yeah, it is normal. I feel like everybody who I know now who has a stable relationship either met when they were like in middle school, <laughs> high school or yeah. via the internet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you met, were you guys keto? No, we weren't keto. Um, and it wasn't until four months into actually dating, Matt saw that sugar film. Was it just that soon? Four months? Yeah. I feel like it was a lot longer. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. Um, I was a vegetarian, though, at the time. Oh, okay. You yeah. were? For how long? Yeah. yeah. It was like a year and four months then. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, okay. I was a vegetarian for two years. We met. Yeah, I remember cooking stuff for you for at least like a year. Yeah. Vegetarian. And then we started keto together. I started eating meat like maybe two or three months prior to starting keto. Um, and then Why? we started together just because. For me. You know, <laughs> For it, love. It was, I think a lot of vegans and vegetarians are in the same predicament as me because you so closely associate with being a vegetarian. It's like a huge character trait of yours. It's hard to even though you maybe like new information presents itself or you learn something that signals to you, maybe you shouldn't be a vegetarian. You keep sticking with it just because that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was like a while, probably like six months. I was like, I'd probably feel better if I started eating meat. I think it's part of a healthier diet. Cause I was just eating like a lot of the meat replacement foods and like tofu, a lot of soy. So that was really the reason. And then just kind of trying to justify the animal rights aspect of it with myself and, and coming up with a conclusion that I could live with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was uh, like a high carb eater. I ate a lot of cereal. Nice. I was in school. I was in law school. So I thought I was doing like the healthy thing of like eating a salad at lunch, but then going home and eating all the tortilla chips and cereal. I think those were the two main food groups in my life. Um, I drank a lot. And yeah, then we we were we started eating a lot healthier, I think, when we were dating. Right. When I met yeah. you, we would do like a lot of fried rice and just like healthier options. We were pretty health conscious and we always cooked together at home. So that's kind of what led to us starting a food blog together is, you know, for our first year or so of dating, we were bonding through just cooking. Yeah. 
And then, yeah. and then explain more about the transition to keto specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so we saw that sugar film was mm-hmm. the, the inciting incident, but I was like, th- I knew a little bit about it. I was reading about it and basically cutting sugar out, realizing, coming to the realization how much of the foods you're eating turns into sugar in your body. And even a bigger thing is like how much of the quote unquote health foods are loaded with sugar, like orange juice. I think an example they use in the video is orange juice, yogurt, granola, like have that for breakfast. A lot of people think they're doing like super good having (laughs) that for breakfast. That's like 120 grams of sugar or something nuts. Um, so I was, I was doing a lot of that type of stuff too. So I thought, you know, let's not do sugar. Let's completely cut it out because I'm kind of the type of person who jumps into things and and then figures it out along the way. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And at the time I had a desk job sitting down eight hours a day in a cubicle. Um, And when you're doing that for work, you really notice the smallest differences in like your cognition and just your your mental stamina, I guess is a term I use, because after the afternoon at a desk job is just like the the most torturous job there is because it's so hard to stay awake. Yeah, you're just like yeah. fighting. Out. It's just like such a miserable per- predicament to be in. And when I started keto, that kind of went away, and that was enough for me to want to stick with it and just kind of pursue and learn about it. Yeah, um, and for me, I had just jumped on board because we, you know, we were together, and I was like, all right, if I'm going to try it, now's the time. And I really remember thinking back, like the keto flu being a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But I also enjoyed it in a way because we were doing it together. We were drinking all the Powerade. We were like bedridden. <laughs> we skipped the gym for like a week and a half. Netflix. We watched so much Netflix, so it was like kind of fun. <laughs> to just do that in the beginning of our relationship. But the first time I noticed um, a difference for my body on the keto diet was my menstrual cycle and like not having a really heavy period and not having any bloating or cramping. Like I have cramping, but like not as severe. I was usually bedridden the first day and in a lot of pain, took a ton of Tylenol. So not having that, that first month really solidified this, like, all right, something changed in my body for the good, I think, because I still have my period. Like my, my hormones still were kicking, but I wasn't in as much pain. So something's changed and I like the change. So I'm going to ride it out and see, you know, what other benefits come from it. What made you though, go from just cutting out sugar versus like going keto? Cause it's two different things, you know? That, yeah. I think, um, kind of putting together, I guess I don't really know a 100%, but, um, cause I don't think if you watch that sugar film, the takeaway is like, keto. start doing keto yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, you know, a lot of these contain a lot of sugar. Added sugar is really a bad thing. For sure. Um, but then just doing a little bit more research, maybe going down that path. I don't know if we started it like the next day, but I like did some research, found the keto subreddit, Mm -hmm. which is a really good resource. Classic. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good, uh, definitely a good place to start. And I still go on there. If I have questions, I search the forum to see like any people posting on topics I want to learn about and just reading on there and being like understanding a little bit more about the state of your body, like trying to use fat for fuel instead of glucose. Uh, just seemed like an appealing thing to me. And also I was, I've always been kind of in like the biohacky type of mindset, like trying to just optimize how I feel, the amount of work I get done every day, stuff like that. So it made sense for me once I learned about it to give it a try. 
And I think I just kind of convinced her. She goes along with a lot of my crazy ideas. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think at the start we were actually doing as high fat. Like, no. I mean, now we're doing like 80% plus mm-hmm. fat, which mm-hmm. is significant. But at the time, I don't even think we were doing 75% fat. We were no. eating a lot of Quest bars. I was eating, we had just chicken breast in the fridge. I would pull that out with some cheese and I would be like, this is a great keto meal. <laughs> so I think a lot of people do that at the onset. And, you don't feel as good and you're not really optimizing, but that's totally cool too. Like that's where you start, like eat three quest bars a day. They're (laughs) delicious and, um, feel like you're doing the keto diet. So I don't even know if we were doing real keto. We were super low carb though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to ask, like, were you going, I mean, there's so many different versions of keto depending on who you talk to. Right. I was wondering if you're like going off of something that a specific person wrote or did you just like go off of what you're reading on reddit um you know every were you doing like jimmy moore version or doing like leanne vogel version well probably not at that time but um you know what i mean there's so many different versions i think like the version i would say we did is just the general consensus of reddit um which is like 20 net carbs um, protein, fat, kind of figure that out as you go. It doesn't really matter too much is kind of what the, the takeaway I got from keto, uh, the keto subreddit. But, um, you know, as we've been doing it for two years now, it definitely does matter. But that's what I would say. Like if someone's starting tomorrow, it doesn't really matter. Like you're doing, you're making small steps, but when you've been doing something for two years and you really want to get better and better, maybe you can start figuring more of that out. But yeah, the general rules we followed to start, I think was just one, which was like 20 net carbs a day. Yeah. Yeah. And Reddit aside, I don't think there's ever been a period where I've like, um, actively sought out someone's way of doing it. And I think that's the beauty of our YouTube channel. And like what we bring to the table is that we kind of do our own version and then we share it because it might work for us for a couple months and then we want to change it up and see what else works better and more efficiently for our bodies. So yeah, Reddit aside, we kind of just did what tasted good and like looked good and was not bread, pasta, cereal, bagels, all those delicious things. I mean, I've definitely seen some people and been like, okay, they're doing this over here. Let me try that for a little bit. Like, um, Sean Baker, Sean Baker and, uh, Danny Vega just eating like tons of meat. Basically. I was like, these guys are monsters. They look like something's working well for them. Let me try doing more of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's certain situations like that for sure. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. So uh, how did that go for you? A carnivore style diet? It went pretty well. Um, I like it and it's definitely something I've like kind of gone more towards, not a hundred percent. I don't like doing it really a hundred percent. It doesn't suit my lifestyle. It doesn't suit anyone in America's lifestyle really, honestly. (laughs) So like, and I like vegetables. Um, I like having them as part of my life, but it's definitely like, and we like snacking and no one's ever just snacking on a 12 ounce steak. You guys really like miracle noodles. That's what you really like. I love miracle noodles. They're zero, basically zero calorie and they fill me up. We've been doing them almost every night for like the past two weeks or so. Yeah. Do Do they not give you digestive issues? I know. Uh, they do. They do a little bit. <laughs> I mean, they pass right through me. But is that ever a bad thing? No, no. Well, you're. I feel like with a lot of people, it's either that or it makes them so bloated and constipated that they just yeah. can't even deal. It's like one or the other. So I was just curious. Yeah, um, yeah it, it does do that a little bit for sure. Yeah. Well, we love it. Yeah. So okay, you guys have tried so many different things. I love it. And I want to ask about everything, but just kind of like overarching. What are the big differences you notice between? keto for women versus for men. Mm. Do you notice a lot? 
A big one is the need for carbs, um, which is debated. And I don't think we have a a real strong opinion on that yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mega's going to maybe try experimenting with a little bit more carbs or like a, a carb a small carb up somewhat. Yeah. Regularly. Maybe like once a week and see how my body adjusts. Cause we've done, we've done keto cycling. So I was doing like 350 carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just That's wake up total, totally wrecked. Mm-hmm. So I know for a fact that my body can't handle that much, but I feel like, you know, 50, 60 carbs, maybe I would feel mentally satisfied for me. It's, it's big about the cravings. You know, I get my period, my hormones up and down, which men don't deal with. They don't have hormone, like daily hormone up and down roller coasters. So when you're dealing with that and you have cravings, um, sometimes, you know, the mental satisfaction of indulging in like whatever keto desserts or some extra carbs isn't going to kill you. You shouldn't feel guilty. And I think that's the biggest difference is like women focus so much on like the scale and Mm -hmm. needing to weigh, like, you know, people eat, a little extra vegetables one day and then the next day they'll wake up a pound heavier and they'll think it's instant fat gain overnight. And it's just water retention and not being scared of the fluctuations on the scale. I think that's what I've had to come to terms with. And I like to advise is like, don't worry so much about the fluctuations, focus on how you feel day to day. Um, and I think we have a mindset that's very focused on like trying to, you know, lose as much weight as fast as possible. And that's just not good for your body. We want, we should focus on healing Mm -hmm. And I think men probably look at it less so like healing, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I look at my diet mostly from honestly like productivity standpoint yeah. at this point. Well, I feel um, like men have less healing to do. Like yeah. we're so much more susceptible to all these hormonal imbalances and issues and men can just kind of take more – like you guys can fuck up your bodies and move on kind of and we can't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even more so like dieting. I think more women do just like crazy diets and stuff throughout mm-hmm. their lives. Maybe that's like a generalization, but I think it's probably true. Yeah. Um, and like we just did this 90 day um, planned like weight loss cut. And that was very noticeable. The difference between me and her, like my weight just consistently linear, Plummeted. linear drop throughout the entire 90 days. And hers was much more like of a body recomposition. She gained two pounds of muscle, lost six pounds of fat. Um, but if you just look at the scale, like that is, could be perceived as a stall because yeah. she, for like a month, she didn't really, move. it didn't move much. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the pictures, if you look at the body fat test, a lot's happening. What, yeah. what was your sort of protocol for that 90 day experiment? Like what were you doing with diet exercise? How are you adjusting things? This was a big learning experience for me. We actually put together a program with Keto Savage. He's a professional bodybuilder who who uses a keto diet. So we basically followed his protocol for his like like a lessened down version of his getting ready for the stage, mm. um, which is which has a lot of cool concepts that I don't think people realize are important for trying to change your body because I didn't even really realize them and I feel like I'm pretty well you know versed in nutrition. And basically, over the 90 days, you slowly taper down your calories, not like one big drop at once, and then you hit the the cardio super hard. That's how most people start a diet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And your cardio slowly increases over the 90 days, slowly though. So it's almost imperceptible to you to where one week doesn't seem super hard compared to the last. It's just a slight increase. 
And then there is a lot of like more fine tuning that he does, which is the fat protein ratio also is tapered throughout the course of the 90 days. Um, similar to how like a, a, a bodybuilder on a standard diet would taper the carbs down mm-hmm. on a keto diet, you would taper the protein down a little bit. And it's like really cool. I don't think there's many people that know how to do this with a keto diet, like getting ready for a bodybuilding mm-hmm. contest the way that he does. Um, so that's what we followed. It was- so he's keeping the fat high and just moving down the protein. No, you're moving it all, you're down, moving it all down, but, but, um, over the course of it, the protein will move down a little bit faster. Like the ratio of the fat does get higher, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's still moving down. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it does. And like how many carbs? 10 total. Yep. For the 90 days, which seems really <laughs> low, but I, now I feel comfortable at 10 day to day. Mm-hmm. Like we, I think we do 15 total now, like if we do a little more veggies, but I mean, yep. it's not hard to stay at 10, especially if you have a goal you want to hit and it's only a short period of time. What can you give like a sample, like day of eating for what that looks like? So people can, I know a lot of people are listening to this and they don't know what the hell 15 grams of carbs even is, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we usually do bulletproof coffees in the morning before the gym. We keep all protein and carbs out before the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do like two bulletproof coffees in the morning, go to the gym, come home, and I'll do – and then I do two meals, probably like a smaller one to start around maybe 1 p.m. or so. Um, That could be something like – like, I don't know, scrambled eggs with butter and maybe some kind of – like a, a cup of spinach or something in there you could throw in and that'll be, I don't know, three total carbs. And then for dinner, we really did two different things. We did a salad, which would be like spring mix, maybe three cups. That's basically all your carbs. You can chop up some mushrooms too. Sometimes we would do that. So that right there is basically your carbs for the day. And then do like some kind of meat on the salad, some dressing, some olive oil. And then we would also a lot of the times have to do like a fat bomb or two afterwards, which is just like um, butter, coconut oil, maybe some sweetener, maybe some cocoa powder to make it easy to eat, to add fat to the meal. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically what it would be. Yeah. A lot of fat, but dispersed. So you can't really tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, OK, let's talk about exercise, too, while we're kind of talking about this, because I feel like this is very hotly debated in the keto space of like what type of exercise you can do on a ketogenic diet. Like, have you noticed any differences in training, working out since going keto or how your macros affect your performance, anything like that or differences between the two of you? Um, I guess I didn't really know it was that controversial because I've always looked at, you know, whatever lifestyle or diet you're on working out's good. I mean, you should Mm. always implement it into your lifestyle. Um, and then on a keto diet, I mean, starting out, it's hard to do any sort of working out. Like we took off from the gym for like a month at least. And we weren't feeling as strong or as, you know, good in the gym until like two months later. And I think that would go for cardio the same. Um, and now, you know, there are a lot of people who do full marathons Mm -hmm. on keto diet without needing like, you know, the gel packs or any sort of food on the go. And then weightlifting, there's, um, like people do CrossFit, people Mm -hmm. do everything, right? Yeah. We do like bodybuilder style workouts mostly, but, um, I would say, yeah, like there's definitely some work, like types of exercise that are not the best to do on a keto diet. Like Usain Bolt, if he starts doing keto, he's probably going to be slower in the hundred meter dash. I would have to, I would have to say, Mm -hmm. um, 
And like your one rep max deadlift, probably not going to be as good on keto. Like there's certain just really explosive lifts and like exercises that need glucose, glycogen to be performed at their best, I would say. Um, but as far as like one diet change that we made that I did notice increase my gym performance is just when we did the carnivore diet or just like adding red meat to your diet that helped me with my lifts. Um, but yeah, a lot of people ask the question, like what kind of workout can I do on keto? And in my mind, those are like totally modular things. Like your diet's one thing, your, um, your workouts are another thing. And unless you're like a super high performance athlete that needs, something specific like you're willing to sacrifice your diet solely for performing performance yeah like you're an nba basketball player or something like that then i would say just you know anything's fine yeah do you notice any differences like fasted workouts versus not um so one thing is we had a little bit of trouble you'll maybe know the feeling if you get like a really hard workout in and you eat like granola bars beforehand, you get like a pump going in the gym, right? And that's a good feeling to have for sure. And on keto, I didn't get as much of that. And it's something I've been trying to troubleshoot. Um, that's why we do the bulletproof coffees, no carbs, no protein before the gym. So our digestion isn't working as hard and there's just more blood to go into the muscles and stuff. And then we also supplement before the gym every day potassium and sodium mm -hmm. so that is one kind of workaround I think that answers your question I can't really remember what the question was now yeah no I was just well okay let's talk about fasting a little bit oh fasting, fasting workouts I totally that's forgot. what it was yeah. okay yeah no it's totally fine yeah okay well I mean going back to what you said how you don't like really notice a pump I kind of I know what you mean but I almost I kind of took it as like like, when I'm in keto, it's just, like, I feel, like, even all day. Like, I don't feel mm -hmm. like spikes or, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, when you would go to the gym and feel like that pump, that was kind of, like, an up for me. And then I would get a down later. And at first yeah. I thought it was weird. And then I was like, wait, no, I like this because I just feel even energy the whole day, no matter what I'm yeah. doing. So you don't get, like, a, a euphoric sensation when you have, like, a ton of fat? Like, I still do. If I, like, oh, yeah. eat a bunch of fat in something, I'll be, like, really happy for a moment. But well, yeah. yeah, no, but I don't feel like, I don't know. It's like, you know, how, like when I used to just eat a ton of carbs at once and I would get like, I could run a marathon yeah. out of nowhere, yeah. you know, um, I don't get that, but I don't, also right. don't need that. Cause then I also don't mm -hmm. get the, the crash after, but in yeah. terms of just general fasting, what has been your experience with like fasting, whether that, I mean, prolonged intermittent, how has that all gone? We've tried a lot of different things, and I think the current opinion of it for us is just like, if you're really hungry, probably just eat food. Um, try, try, because I think so many people do intermittent fasting or any kind of fasting as a workaround for the root cause of what's going on with their nutrition, because it's like everyone's going for the thing that's going to make them not have to really do the hard work and examine what is going on with their diet. Like why are they having a hard time eating the right amount of foods, controlling their food intake, things like that. Like we still struggle with that. Um, but as far as intermittent fasting goes, I feel kind of good, but I like doing bulletproof coffees in the morning. Some people consider that intermittent fasting, some don't. And one thing I picked up on during these 90 days, which I never really considered when we did the cut, is when you first start eating food, like you actually chew the food 
that is like some kind of signaling starts for me. And I don't know if there's science behind it, but I found it to be true to where if you put off your first like actual chewing of food, um, it's easier to calorie restrict over the course of days and weeks. So that's why I like the just the bulletproof coffee fasting in the morning until like one or so. But we've done long fasts. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's more of like a mental exercise. I think you learn a lot about yourself. Um, there's times like day two of a four day fast where you, you know, it's lunchtime and you're starving, but then you don't eat. And then a couple hours later, you're, it feels like you ate, like you just ate a meal basically. Yeah, it passes. And you start realizing like, it's not actual hunger. It's my hunger hormones mm -hmm. kind of, they're expecting food at this time. I don't, I'm not going to die if I don't eat. Um, it's just kind of a cool thing to do. I would say, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth doing at some point. But I think so much of the fasting is just trying to like work around the root cause. Yeah, fasting never really worked for me. There was a period before we moved when we lived in Philadelphia, like we both worked. Um, I tried to do fasting because Matt loved it and was doing it daily. And I was like, if it works for him, it works for me. You know, I, it was that kind of a situation. And it was so forced and so like it was punishment. I, I felt guilty if I ate before noon. And then if I made it to noon without eating, I was proud of myself as if it's something to cheer about, which is ridiculous. That, that in my mind is I had an unhealthy eating like habit and I shouldn't hide that like that fact that unhealthy eating habit with intermittent fasting and be like, well, at least, you know, I'm doing something quote unquote great for my body because my hormones were still, you know, wanting food, getting the, like feeling like I was getting food because I was, you know, like whatever it was just, it was a bad mental exercise. And I found quickly, found out quickly that I should do what's right for my body and match what's right for his body. And I think a lot of women could find that they struggle or similar struggle similarly and fasting may not be really easy for them. And if that's the case, they should not force it. I'm really glad you guys talk about that. Like emotional aspect of it and how it's kind of people dancing around their relationship with food and using it as an excuse to just like not address that because I feel like no one else in the keto space really talks about that um mm -hmm. and I think some of these people who are like obsessed with the fasting mm -hmm. um it's coming from a different place other than just trying to improve their longevity <laughs> yeah. yeah I'd have to agree um also before I forget I want to go back what you're saying about the chewing that's totally a thing because I mean the act of chewing is going to release different hormones and like enzymes that it's basically telling your stomach is telling your body like I expect more food so that will mm -hmm. make you hungrier versus just swallowing um okay yeah so it's like a real thing not imagining that um, <laughs> um also okay well so basically what I want to get clear is is fasting necessary to do like being ketosis no, yeah. not, not even close. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, there's so many rules around things. A lot of, I mean, uh, intermittent fasting. So what does it make the most sense for? If you have, if you're repairing insulin resistance, there's tons of proof that it is hugely beneficial for that. Like lowering your fasting glucose, it just helps speed up that process. Like keto is going to do a lot of that on its own and I'm not a doctor, but, um, just doing a keto diet is one thing, but there's certain applications of intermittent fasting where it's probably good. Like 
if you are going for the the like the HG what is it human, human growth, growth factor yeah. like increase that that maybe exists if you're going for like autophagy I feel like a lot of these benefits of intermittent fasting are just being applied to intermittent fasting <laughs> when it's actually been studied in extended fasting mm-hmm. and um, I don't know how many of these benefits actually apply I think the major benefit that most people want is calorie restriction weight loss mm-hmm. and what I would say to that is if you're doing intermittent fasting for that reason and you find that having like breakfast helps you better calorie restrict, then eat breakfast. Yeah. Don't, don't do intermittent fasting. Yeah. Okay, that brings up an interesting question about weight loss. And this ties into your recent 4,000 calorie <laughs> experiment. <laughs> Can you tell people about that experiment and what you did? <laughs> Yes, this is not I'm not the originator of this, but it's yeah. eating 4000 calories a day for 21 days and just monitoring basically my weight gain. I also monitored my ketones just to make sure no one and this is a cool thing. If you monitor your ketones, this is being applied actually in like studies, like um studies on a keto diet. You can validate the study based on a ketone meter. So if the um subjects are in a state of ketosis tested daily, that in, in some sense validates because you don't have to just rely on the food journal, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. you used to, you can actually validate like, wow, they are in a state of ketosis. So there's something to this, but yeah, I tested ketones, blood glucose, my weight and tracked my calories, 21 days, 4,000 of them eating a keto diet. It wasn't easy. It's harder than it, it seems. <laughs> it, yeah, it seems I, very I hard. really enjoyed, I enjoyed <laughs> watching him. <laughs> Did you ever consider doing it with him? <laughs> Um, people on YouTube commented <laughs> that it looked like I was doing it along with him, which is, I know. Um, but I thought about it, but it just wouldn't make, I mean, my, I have a higher body fat percentage. I have a different dieting history. I would have put on a lot of weight. You could do like 2,500 though. Yeah, that's true. I would just have to do a lot less. And, um, yeah, it looked sickening though. I'm glad I didn't. But I, I naturally did eat more having a partner who ate more. So I understand like how couples get fat together because if one person eats a lot, then you naturally it's like, well, I should be keeping up. So yeah. I did eat more for sure. That's interesting. Well, but also you have to explain because it wasn't just eating 4000 calories a day. It was keeping those specific like ratios, yeah. which is why it's so hard. Mm -hmm. So the thing with uh, keto in huge excess calories is the carbs, they really just climb uh, out of attrition, basically, like you you get 50 total carbs, no matter what you're eating, unless you're really doing just like carnivore diet, but that's hard to eat 4000 calories of. Um, And then keeping it the fat protein ratio, I think I did like 83% fat. So that was I remember one day I just made like a stick of butter with cocoa powder and stevia and just like ate that throughout the course of a day. You have to do crazy stuff like this to, to actually do it. But uh, it's pretty interesting um, kind of just seeing like my ketone readings based on what I was eating. And it was the first real 21 day thing where I like tracked everything and got some good data on stuff. So it was it was pretty interesting. So what did you discover? I discovered that doing things like this where you control for calories and any kind of study on a keto diet versus a low carb diet that controls for calories is missing the point because 
controlling for calories is the hard part when you're out in the wild, when you're in, you know, you go to Walmart and buy donuts. You you can't control calories. Keto gives you the ability to control calories, which is harder to quantify. How do you really study how easy it is to control calories? It's You have to do like, I don't know, weird studies where you like monitor with secret cameras or like do feeding studies, things like that. So I think anything that's kind of trying to measure the metabolic advantage of a keto diet is misplaced and it doesn't really matter that much because the real benefit as far as weight loss goes is keto gives you the ability to be more in tune with your hunger and actually control calories. Yeah, and we actually did a lot of research during the 4,000 calorie challenge because in each video we wanted to bring some new you know, facts or research to light. And what I thought was the most interesting was the research we did towards the end regarding the time period. So 21 days is far from long enough to determine what actually would happen to someone's body, you know, eating at that surplus of calories. So if everyone did the exact same, so a lot, we got a lot of comments where people would say, Oh, I'm going to do the diet now, or I'm going to do the, um, 4,000 calorie challenge now and see how much I gain. But it would be so varied and different person to person because some, a study like this would need to be done over like a hundred days. Then you could tell, right. How much weight Matt would actually gain because it would just continue to rise at a faster pace after the 21 day period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is referencing a couple studies. There's one, um, where you see the people that did like a starvation diet, um, like some kind of crazy weight loss challenge. I think it was a prison experiment of some kind. And then they do a refeeding over the course. I was, you know what it is. The Minnesota starvation experiment? Yeah. I just saw my last podcast episode was talking about it. It's one of my favorite studies ever. Oh, okay. Is this the one then? Then when they reintroduced food, the people regained all of the weight back basically over the course of 100 days. But the weight gain was much smaller at the start as opposed to consistent overeating like over the course of 100 days. I don't think this was the same study because that one is oh, looking this? – this, yeah, this is more about the psychological effects because people like went oh. psycho. Um, but oh, go okay. on about what you're talking about. <laughs> and then the other cool thing, which, you know, there's some people – I'd never really believe this where it's neat. like neat. Yeah, it's, it's net uh, – Non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is like highly variable person to person, and it makes more sense to me now when someone's like, you know, if I look at a donut, I gain 10 pounds, and then there's other people that really have trouble gaining weight, and I think a lot of it is neat. So I would theorize that I have a pretty good neat, and this is like when when you just give your body a bunch of excess calories, it figures out things to do with it. Like you start tapping your feet a lot and just like – you know, moving around, you might feel like going for a jog and you never feel like going for a jog, stuff like that, 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 that neat number, if it even is a number, that figure is variable from person to person, which seems to be what leads to the weight gain or the not so much weight gain. Yeah. So like Matt was eating what, like 1500 surplus. Mm -hmm. So if you take neat into consideration, he could have maybe been only eating 700 surplus, which is so fascinating because that makes sense that he only gained eight pounds mm-hmm. for 21 days. Have you guys ever done anything where you tried an experiment, like el- trying to eliminate all the neat and keeping your workouts the same and seeing how much neat affects your weight? 
That would be really cool, actually. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds insane, but really cool. Yeah. No, we, we took out cardio completely when I did the 4K challenge to mm-hmm. kind of help with that. But yeah, it sounds to me like you're talking like strapped into bed Netflix session yeah. where we're not even able to. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. Yeah, like you, you're, yeah, you're literally in bed with Netflix all day, except for like the one period of time when you're working out just to show like you know, if, if it's just the workout or if it is being active throughout the day, I think that's that'd a be, really cool idea. Yeah. Yes, it is. Hey, maybe you because guys it should involves do that. Lying in bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and still eating. Yeah. So yeah. I think we'll just have to get a lot of, um, Netflix mm-hmm. ideas for shows. When Game of Thrones comes out. Yeah. We'll binge it. That Good. would be perfect. <laughs> I like that. Well, it's also really interesting because a lot of people, there are some people who say, as long as you're in ketosis, you'll lose weight, you no. know? Okay. Not true. So it is, like, calories do count. Yeah, 100%. But what, Um, so what about ketosis? It's that it just naturally helps you, like, not want to eat as much, basically. And hormone and balance. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, for women especially, I guess that applies. Well, there's a few things. So, um... Definitely just helping with the calorie restriction, helping you be more in tune with hunger. But I think there's something to be said for the fact of like your body becomes really good at using dietary fat for fuel. Could it be more efficient at using stored body fat for fuel? I think that seems feasible to me. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily been proven. Definitely just the overall productivity. Like for me, it's all all like cognitive nootropic type of stuff. That's the sole reason I do keto, Mm -hmm. um, get more done. Like I've, I'm just become so much of a better person and things that you can't really even tie to like change in diet. But maybe I changed my diet because I was in a point in my life where I was ready to just level up as a person. Also, it could just be that, but, um, yeah, like I couldn't imagine having not started keto because it's just improved my life in so many ways. Productivity, Um, but as far as it being like a miracle weight loss thing, it's not really, it doesn't, uh, people gain weight doing a keto diet. (laughs) I'm glad you said that because people, no one ever talks about that. You know, I feel like you can lose weight or gain weight on any diet. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is also the, the food palatability. That's like the next level of when you're doing keto, Part of the reason keto probably helps is because a lot of the hyper palatable foods are taken out. You can't have Oreo cookies, um, like warm chocolate chip cookies, things like that that you just physically can't, like humans aren't made to consume in moderation. So a lot of those are taken out already. And then when you do some of the keto baked goods, like we have a food blog, we have a lot of cookie recipes, things like that. We enjoy them, but that can be kind of slippery because you can't eat those in extreme excess too. And then weight loss becomes hard. Yeah, like aren't Cheetos like made, like yeah. engineered yeah. so that you can out. eat them like for a thousand hours straight? <laughs> yeah, literally. Well, speaking, um, yeah. No, well, speaking of that, what what has what are your opinions on sweeteners? Like, what sweeteners do you use? Do you, do they? Which ones spike your blood mm-hmm. sugar? How did that experimenting go? So yeah, we did a video where we tested eight sweeteners, including sugar, which mm-hmm. was so delicious. I forgot <laughs> how good it was to just spoon it into my mouth. Um, so we're comfortable using we liquid stevia and monk fruit 
every single day and we do in our coffees. Um, no issues there. But when we did when we did the testing in the video, it was xylitol and uh, xylitol that was the most fascinating because it is used uh, pretty widely by a lot of people. People only buy xylitol instead of erythritol. But there was a significant um, rise in our blood glucose mm -hmm. and um, enough to the point where we will never use it again. Um, wow. We yeah, I, we, there's no need when erythritol is on the market, um, even allulose. Like we were fascinated by that because um, we had never actually used it. Um, we don't really eat it either. No. But when we tested it, it was totally fine. So I would rather buy allulose um, than xylitol. And then maltitol. Naturally. Confirmed. Like everyone knows it's bad, but confirming exactly how bad it was was cool. Um, it's literally sugar. It, mm -hmm. I think the, the glucose spike was 80% of sugar. And uh, how we set the test up was we consumed everything so that the sweetness level was two tablespoons of sugar. Mm -hmm. So for erythritol, since it's less sweet than sugar, that would be three tablespoons. Um, and then we just kind of calculated like the, 50 drops of liquid stevia, yeah, something like that, like okay. 125 milligrams of lab grade aspartame. Oh my <laughs> God. But yeah, but, but bringing up maltitol, I always forget. It's just, it's so funny to me, like people and how, how unwilling they are to come to terms with mm -hmm. the fact that maltitol is bad because so many people will get the Russell Stover's candy because it says made with stevia on the front, even though maltitol is the first ingredient on the back. And they'll be like, well, it's made with stevia so I can eat it. And we'll say no. And they'll be like, yes, I can eat it. People just, they refuse to like give up things that are bad for them because they think the keto diet is enough. But I mean, if you want actual optimal health, I mean, you got to work towards it every single day. And I would say cutting out maltitol is a big part of that. Yep. Have you guys ever tried yukon syrup? Um, is that is that the fiber syrup? Yeah. No, we haven't. I don't think we could, we're able to like buy all the fiber syrups easily. We'll look for that one. I think we want to do some of these. I'm waiting to be able to get soluble corn fiber before we do the a test on all of these different fibers because that's like the main one that I want to know about. Um, but I think I'm, I'm skeptical of those type of things more so than the sweeteners. Cause I know the IMO fiber is, is bad, bad news for your blood glucose for sure. Yeah. Um, the sucrine gold I'm pretty sure is not great. Uh, I got to test that one still. And then there's just like the, the fiber syrups, like they're, they just use so much in the products. Like the product is, yeah. it's a cookie and it's 40 carbs total. Um, and then like four net and it's like, that's a, that's a big drop. Like that's a lot of fiber. I don't want to be eating in one cookie. But yeah. when we started keto, we were eating these things every single day. Yeah. So I totally understand if you guys are just starting and you're trying to just do one step better, like take out Snickers bar, put in quest bar. That's good. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. Something also that I loved was you guys called out, who was it? Like, was it? Now nope. foods? Nope. Yeah, no foods? Yeah. Can you explain what happened nope. with that? That was epic. Epic. <laughs> <laughs> this was crazy. And I actually thought there was a chance we would get sued for libel or something. But uh, <laughs> slander, whatever it is. But uh, so basically, no foods is like a low carb uh, goods manufacturer. They make these huge cookies and come to find out the cookies the the nutrition on the back doesn't include the chocolate chips. And then someone did some digging. They're like, what are these chocolate chips made of? And they send the link to the chocolate chips they use. Oh, it's real sugar. So I'm like, okay. Then the next release, 
they say, is there's not enough cookies used in the or there's not enough chocolate chips used in the cookie to make it, you know, impact the nutrition on the back. So I take we we, we took out all of the chocolate chips from the cookie and it came out to like 22 grams, which is like very substantial, 17 grams of actual sugar or something. So they're marketing these things as four net carbs, diabetic friendly. That's like the the, the, the crazy issue. thing. Yeah. Di- diabetic friendly, 17 uh, grams of sugar. And basically we just like posted that as uh, a video on our Instagram. But um, they've since switched the chocolate chips and they now use allulose their own homemade ones but it's hard to it's hard to go back to a company i mean trust is like kind of a binary thing for me also because after the call out and a lot of people came to the realization that the chips were in fact real sugar they still stood behind the fact that they were four net carbs and it's like at that point, I would have more respect for you if you just owned it. Their um, next Instagram post, this is what actually got me really mad, <laughs> was a picture of the cookie and it said, four net carbs, believe it. <gasps> <laughs> and, then, and then they linked a <laughs> document hosted on their website that was like some, it was like, I don't want to say fake, but it seemed suspect to me. It was like a stamp of approval and it was like four net carbs stamp. And it was like some oh kind of organization God. or something. So you just made a stamp. Yeah. You yeah. stamped a piece of paper. God. Well, it makes it hard for me. I I feel like I don't trust any companies at this point because I feel no. like I hear about this kind of stuff over and over again. And this is why I'm just yeah. like, I can't deal with the packaged stuff because if it's not carbs, it's even just calories. Like people don't even know. Like I don't – it's like FDA allows you what? 10 to 15% margin of error on calories. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a huge, if someone is actually trying to count the calories, that's a huge difference throughout the day. Yeah. Also, um, just like tracking your blood numbers can ease your mind a little bit. So like for me during the last month of doing this cut thing, I was going so off the deep end stevia wise, like, like just a ton of it. And I was tracking my, my ketones and glucose and weight pretty, pretty steadily. So I'm like confident in saying that that doesn't affect me at all, Mm -hmm. but it's nice to kind of have that peace of mind, at least get a a $20 blood glucose monitor if you can from Walmart and test after you eat, like if you eat the no foods cookies every single night, it'd be nice to know that they're, they're compliant with what your goals are. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, and what numbers should people be looking for? That's a tough one because a lot of it goes into your your history. Are um, you diabetic? What is, what's normal for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just building up your own baseline over time to where you know things are different. So, like, I know when I wake up in the morning, looking for like high sixties, low seventies, blood glucose wise, that's what I seem to be normal at, and that's also gives me a good sign without even testing my ketones that my ketones are going to be somewhere reasonable, like 1.5 ish. Mm -hmm. And I don't even need to test those because I kind of, you pick up over time on how glucose is inversely related to your ketones. And then, um, you know, after I have a bulletproof coffee, it might even get lower than that. But over the course of the day for me personally, and, um, everyone's different. Like I don't like seeing it go too much above 90. Yeah, I mean, it will go above 90, especially if we had like a a nice 12-ounce steak or something. But yeah, you know, after an hour, it should come back down. I mean, if if you are a diabetic, though, if you have health issues, obviously, you should be monitoring it a lot closely and you have a good baseline for yourself. So Mm -hmm. yeah, if you care, I think it's worth knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You can better your diet that way. Yeah. So speaking of your nice 12-ounce steak... um, 
what is your what has your experience been with like I mean does protein spike your blood sugar a lot what do you think about the whole moderating protein should people should people moderate it um opinions on that to stay in keto good question I think the best way to think about this is there's a sliding scale here the more protein you eat Probably the less productivity-wise good you're going to be. That's my experience. But the fuller you're going to be. Um, you can eat fat. A lot of people say fat are super, is super satiating. Nowhere near as satiating as protein. Like if you're doing a really high-fat diet, like 80, close to 90%, it's easy to overeat calorie-wise. So finding that homeostasis for you mm -hmm. to where you're feeling satisfied throughout the day food-wise, you're not going to overeat but also feeling really good and productive and like light, that is big. So for me, I would say skewing higher on fat is what I prefer. That helps with productivity, helps with just your mind feeling really good. So like 75 to 80% is what I like to do. But um, does protein spike your insulin a little bit? Like you'll see, so the term, I hate this because the only verb used in front of insulin is spike, yeah. uh, which th there's levels to this. <laughs> so like... Um, if you eat a high protein meal for me, it's never going to go above a hundred. It doesn't have like the upward capability, my glucose, it doesn't have the upward capability as it does when you start introducing carbs. Like I've done some kind of crazy carb refeed where it's gotten to like 150 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a totally different thing. But, um, and then there's another thing at play, which we just have learned about recently, which is mm -hmm. glucagon. Mm -hmm. And that is like the opposite of insulin. You can kind of think of it as, and when you eat protein and you're in a keto, uh, the state, a state of ketosis, or if you're fasted, it'll have a little bit of a different impact than it would if you were on a high carb diet or a standard American diet. So the spike in insulin or the, the deleterious right. effects of protein should be mitigated a lot in a mm -hmm. keto diet and a, a fasted state. Yeah. So I think the, the overall answer is don't fear protein, mm -hmm. enjoy the steak, eat eat meat till you're full or till you feel full and feel good. Um, but yeah, if, if you're focusing more on productivity and trying to get a lot of work done, maybe eating a little less protein that day because you'll be able to have more productivity is a good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Or what I like doing is kind of backloading the protein a little bit more. Um, so like starting yeah. the day with a fat fast, like I've been doing, having like a, a, a lower protein lunch and then, you know, like five or six, I don't even have to get that much more done throughout the day. I can, I can do most of my protein at that time. Yeah. Um, so basically, if someone is still hungry, say, say they're like eating a ketogenic ratio and like, I'm still hungry, you would say mm -hmm. protein. I would say so, yeah. I would agree. Okay, yeah. For sure. I would agree yeah. too because back when I was experimenting with this, I was told just keep doing the fat. And I was like, wow, I just ate like 3,000 calories of fat and I'm still hungry. Yeah. So. <laughs> So that didn't yeah. really help. Um, mm -hmm. Also, what about your all of your different experiments with like carb cycling and refeeds and like, I mean, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I mean, how did that go for for you trying to do, I mean, different like targeted or cyclical? Mm. Yeah, so we've done um, targeted, cyclical, and pers I mean, I think we have different takeaways. Personally, I prefer cyclical. So cyclical we did for a full month. So four high carb days. And when we did the high carb, it's important to do this is to swap out the fat for the carbs. So very low fat, very high carb. Um, 
And one day a week. One day a week, exactly. And you could do one every 10 days. You could do one every two weeks, whatever feels right for you. But we wanted to do a full month of four days so we could have good numbers to go off when we made a video. And I think for me, the big takeaway was that I kind of needed that as a mental release because I love carbs. I miss chips. I miss goldfish. I miss cereal. I miss rice. I miss sweet potato. Like I could go on and on. And I hadn't had those in so long. I forgot how they made me feel. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of needed that an entire month. So four full days of eating those foods to really remember how bad they make me feel and how unproductive I feel and how beautiful of a way of life keto is. So that's that was my big takeaway for cyclical. And then targeted, I thought, definitely has its benefits. And I think trying out both, especially if you work out a lot or you're focused on gaining muscle, they're both great options. But for targeted, I didn't get enough like boost in the gym mm. to think it's worth it. Like I was just consuming the dextro dextro. So we were using high fructose corn syrup. Right. Like, like not, not actually high fructose. Right. So it was just, um, it wasn't refilling your liver glycogen, right? It was just going straight using straight being used straight in the workout. And I just, it wasn't good enough for me. So I would do cyclical again, I think for gym performance, but not targeted. Yeah. I would say just the opposite for me. Um, the, the, the targeted keto diet pre-workout, we did like a keto gains. They have a pre-workout recipe on their website you can check out. It's basically that. You just take like 15 grams of dextrose and theoretically it'll just give you a little bit of a boost in, a gym and not, in the gym and not um, mess with your ketone production much because you use all the glucose gly as glycogen and it doesn't make it to your liver. Uh, it, that's like a tool I could go back to at some point, but... I think I fine-tuned my diet enough since then to where I feel like I don't need it, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you, oh, more so, Mega, have you ever tried having just, like, a touch of carbs every night? No, I haven't. Um, what's a touch? Yeah, I guess what's a touch. I mean, depends on the person. I'd say, like, not going by grams, but just, like, a serving, like a cup of something. Okay. Like rice? Maybe. Something like that or sweet, sweet or, potato? More, more so like a sweet potato or, yeah, or just like a starchy veggie seeing what that was like. I, so that is something I definitely want to play around with because we just finished the cut, which was 10 total carbs, and now we're reversing out of that. So it's still pretty low carb. But I feel like my body does handle carbs well. Like I, I've done a cut similarly to the one we just did, but on a high carb diet and my body responded really well and I had good workouts and I looked really good. So I think doing like maybe a cup or something, what I think once a week I would be mm -hmm. open to like doing some higher carb and I'm going to definitely experiment with that. But, um, I like the idea of trying it every night for like two weeks mm -hmm. and seeing how you feel and testing ketones and stuff and seeing like if you're yeah, actually getting would, back into ketosis by yeah. the next morning and stuff that'd be cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I would be interested to see how I know for me, I went a really long time without like really any and I feel like it really fucked up my leptin and then I kind of mm -hmm. did a reset like that and it helped a lot. Um, how long did did you do that for a while or just a night or something? Um I was doing I kind of at first I went into like Every three days or so, I would have, like, a starch at night. And then I went into, like, every every day. I, like, slowly moved into that. Um, and I did that for maybe, like, two or three weeks. Okay. And That's interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I do think when you do strict keto long term, 
Um, mm-hmm. The satiating effect of a little bit of carbs like that can be really strong. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas if you're doing a standard American diet and you're just having carbs so often, you don't really get much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't your carb storage like cut in half? Your glycogen? Yeah. I think over time, yeah, your glycogen stores start, you lose some of them. So then a smaller amount would be really filling, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Well, speaking of which, do you have any um, fun experiments planned next? We do. What do we got? Rob Wolf's. The carb tolerance test we're oh, going to do. But yeah. It's, yeah, so he does the carb tolerance test, but we were thinking it'd be fun to do with um, protein. protein and fat. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Have you ever think, Yeah, what? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say fat. I think the the test would be to see how much it increases your ketones like an hour later with the different kinds of fats. Mm-hmm. And then now we're giving our secrets away. People might make this video before us. They won't. And then proteins <laughs> <laughs> proteins would be cool to see like how the the glucose spike and then different uh, proteins. Yeah. I'm really interested in that. Also, I mean kind of random. I just thought of this, but like I know you guys were at that conference recently and they were talking about does the meat quality matter versus just mm-hmm. um, what is your opinion on that that debate? I think it matters less than people want to believe. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think like the the reason to eat grass fed meats is probably more for animal welfare and like that type of thing. If you're eating it for nutrition. Um, there's probably a point of diminishing returns. I mean, if you're making, you know, 500 K a year, then just whatever, you're just going for a little bit of benefit for, and you don't care about the price, then it's probably worth it. But for people starting keto, if you're like, must be grass fed, that's totally wrong. I would say. Yeah. Say the quote Dr. Westman said. Um, oh, food, uh, carb quantity is priority. Number one, food quality should be secondary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, he, he works with a lot of like inner city, underprivileged, you know, overweight people. And that's kind of his message. Right. So like if someone comes to you and they're like, should I just start eating low carb and I can only afford getting burgers at Wendy's or like fast food or just like really poor quality meats? Or should I wait until I can afford grass fed and just keep eating carbs until then? I think that your natural answer is going to say, you know, start doing your best. Mm -hmm. Don't worry so much about the grass fed. And I think that applies across the board. Like you shouldn't, it doesn't have to be grass fed or organic. Yeah. I think there are steps to it and depends what your goals are. Um, Also, what do you think is more important? Like the high fat part or the low carb part? That is a good question. I think um, I definitely would have strongly said the low carb part to to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think a high fat to me is like almost equally important at this point, though. Um, I am really being lately been able to hone in and like tie how I feel to the amount of fat I eat, mainly as a percentage, but even just as like a quantity. Like some nights I'll just go nuts and have like three or four fat bombs just because mega left the house and I, I want to snack on something. And I feel like good energy off of that. It's really noticeable. But I, th- I guess carb amount has to be number one, right? I think it depends on your goals. Absolutely. But for me, it, it would definitely be the low carb is what matters the most. I mean, that's, that's like the, you know, I think 
getting into a state of ketosis, you focus more so on going as low as possible in your carbs. And then if I were to do really high fat, but also like, you know, moderate carb, I would just blow up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I would be almost standard American diet and then it just wouldn't make sense. Mm. So definitely they go hand in hand. You need them both because you want to be fueled by fat and feel really good and energetic. But I think low carb is essential, especially if you have hormonal issues, if you have any medical issues, if you're diabetic, carbs are like the trigger. I, I know a lot of people say um, less fat if you want to lose body fat and things like that. And that kind of makes a little bit of sense. I would say I think less that way than I used to. I'm moving more towards just thinking like high fat. If you can kind of like back to the protein fat ratio we were talking about earlier, like if you're not feeling hungry all the time, get as much fat as you can. And then when you just have trouble restricting calories, try adding in more protein for satiety. But carbs, like you can keep them as low as you want. I think the lower generally the better. At least you can get a good baseline and then you can start adding in salads if you want, like bigger salads, adding in more like cooked vegetables, stuff like that. But yeah, I like starting carbs pretty low and getting a good baseline for sure. Yeah. I think that the issue is a lot of people like keto has just become this like hot term and people aren't doing it yeah. right. And we come mm -hmm. from such a culture that's so low fat and people don't really understand what high fat means. And so they'll mm -hmm. just cut yeah. their carbs and then no I added a tablespoon of fat and I'm like, no wonder you feel like shit. You know, it's more than just yeah. adding a tablespoon of fat. Um, yeah. Maybe, that's what we did when we started. Yeah. I think, I think everyone just like eats high protein when yeah. they start keto. So how did you figure out like how much fat you really need to have? Like what, like give people an idea of like how much fat is really like high fat. Okay. Yeah. Like just standard day of eating. I have like 500 calories worth of fat in my coffee. And that's just for me, that's like a hack to get some fat in, in a way that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, not everyone has to do that. That's cool too. I know there's some very anti bulletproof coffee people out there. Um, but I like starting my day with like 500 calories in my coffee. And then at lunch, I uh, will have like today I had a bulletproof bone broth. And this is, these are just all ways to get fat into my diet. So like a, a tablespoon of fat in that. And then I had like some eggs and uh, just like some salami like cut up, some chorizo cut up. And then for dinner, I'll have like a salad, like a taco salad type of thing, just like some ground beef on salad, do some cheese and like a couple tablespoons of olive oil. And then I'll usually have some kind of fat bomb at the end of the night. So that's like three or four different ways I'm actively trying to add fat in my diet. And that's like probably seven tablespoons throughout the day of added fat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of added fat. I was going to say seven to eight of added. And then like all the meats we do are really fatty. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's a lot of fat. Yeah. And you, are you like eating a similar like amount or less? Um, I like, so I eat less, but the way I restrict that is in my morning coffee is like killed. How many tablespoons of fat do you do in the morning? Like like five total. Okay. And I do two okay. or three at most. Um, so I think that's where I like, cause I don't love super fatty coffees. I'd rather add them in, in my meals later. Okay. So that's the difference. Yeah. I'm, I'm like you, I don't like to drink my fat. I like to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, sorry, this is also random. Have you guys heard of the 10,000 calorie challenge? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to do that. I actually just recently had a cheat day and I hit 6,500, a keto cheat day. Oh, it's going to really? be on our YouTube channel soon. Yeah. W would you ever do the 10,000? On keto? With a keto diet? Yeah. 
I, I was I couldn't. So so at the end of the 6500 calorie day, I was like passed out. I couldn't even move. Really. He was in pain. Yeah. He was like and then the next morning he felt really shitty too. So I think 10k keto would just uh, you'd be hospitalized. Yeah. It would be hard to do. That would be crazy. Well, I also don't understand we're, are we talking about the same one where you eat 10,000 calories and the next day you work off 10,000 calories with your exercise? Oh, I didn't know about the working it off part. Oh, no. that's no. what I'm talking about. People are doing this. They're eating 10,000 oh. calories one day and then the next day working w- working out, working off 10,000 calories. And I'm That's like, nuts. I don't know how you even do that. That sounds crazy. I mean, what does working off 10,000 calories look like? That's like a marathon or yeah, something, right? Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. It has so to be. So 20 minutes... Twenty minutes on the stairmaster at like level twelve is four hundred calories. It is. Yeah, so I think it's definitely doable. You'd just be there all day, and the stairmaster is yeah. the worst thing in the world. <laughs> You'd want to yeah. kill yourself, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just curious. That's weird to me. Okay, well, kind of like wrapping up. What do you think are the biggest mistakes people make when they're doing keto? I think the biggest mistake. The couple biggest mistakes people make in everything in life basically is uh, overthinking it. You need to you need to have all the information so you don't quote unquote waste time along the way. Like you want to just nail it from day one. You want all the answers. Um, the answers are all different for different people. So you'll learn a lot along the way. Ready, fire, aim. I always say this, but that's my favorite expression. You learn along the way. Like you start and then you learn. Um, and then another one is just giving up too soon, not being consistent. Like that's with everything. Like I wanted to give up on starting Keto Connect after doing it for two months and no one watching our videos, <laughs> but we kept doing it. And now this has totally changed my perspective on things. I realized like you just got to stick with things. You got to be consistent and eventually things will happen for you. Yeah. And then for me, something I, I always had an issue with was falling victim to the numbers. So like my scale weight or my low ketone levels or just any any sort of like number, letting that dictate my mood for the day. I think if you have an issue with the scale and you but you have to weigh yourself, throw it out or hide it or like put it away for a month and let that be like a therapeutic way to just get over it um, and not be scared of tracking. Um, And if tracking is difficult for you, find a way that it can be more intuitive or, you know, learn to love a couple favorite foods and eat those more consistently. So you know what you're intaking and you're not feeling guilty. I mean, people have so much guilt around the foods they eat, but I feel like the keto diet can be very freeing and allow you to eat a little more intuitively and um, indulge a little little more without feeling that guilt. So take advantage of that and um, don't feel bad about putting on a little weight or healing your body, you know, or um, learning to just enjoy the foods you're eating. Mm -hmm. If someone is having trouble getting into ketosis or they keep getting kicked out or what if they're on keto and gaining weight and they're trying to lose, like what do you think are common things that people might be doing that they might not realize? Well, for gaining weight when they're trying to lose, um, that I would say the first step is just kind of to track macros, track yeah. on my fitness pal. Um, I know people, a lot of people hate doing that, but you gotta, more data means you can, can make more adjustments. So you gotta take matters into your own hands and do that. And then like not getting into ketosis, 
I think this just comes down to the foods you're eating mostly, maybe a little bit with exercise, maybe a little bit with, you know, your history of dieting, your metabolic damage, things like that come into play. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing low carb and you're eating high fat, one problem could be is people just starting um, doing like the higher protein and not really doing a lot of fat. Because if you're hovering around, let's say like 50 total carbs, you're doing higher protein and you're not really adding much fat and you're probably not going to be in that high levels of ketosis. Not that that matters. So like for me, I, I like tracking my ketones because I kind of know I feel significantly better when I'm like 1.0 or above and maybe even a little bit higher than that. That's what I like to do. Um, but I've like tracked that over time and, and tied how I feel to my ketone numbers. Mm -hmm. So just arbitrarily shooting for some high number because you heard, you know, it's good. Uh, that doesn't really do much for you, especially if you're doing it for weight loss. It's more about finding something sustainable, something you can stick to, not worrying about, like she said, all the, all the metrics. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so what okay let's say somebody doesn't really want to test their ketones what do you notice what signs could somebody look for in their body to know that they're in ketosis hmm i think like the energy levels yeah when you first like I, at least for me when i first started the first time i entered ketosis i would have to imagine uh it's like night and day kind of like you feel a really a really strong feeling mm -hmm. um and then that fades over time or it becomes normal so i think this is kind of like she was talking about when she did the carbs she felt like she needed them but then once she had them you can tell oh this is now this is a totally different ball game like I feel really bad with the carbs mm -hmm. whereas when you're having a ton of carbs and you're on a standard American diet you don't really know how much they're affecting you until you take them out you feel really good then you add them back in and you notice it um so that I don't know where I was going with that but, <laughs> but yeah. that's oh how to know your in ketosis um that's the one thing for me and then is there anything else really I don't know that it matters all that much. Like maybe appetite reduction is one thing. Yeah, I, less cravings mm -hmm. overall. Being able to like go between meals without feeling like you're going to, you know, die of starvation. That for me is huge. Like if we have to go on a plane, like I'm not so worried about like going on a four hour plane yeah. ride. Like I am because I love snacking, but I know I could last and I'll be totally fine. I think that's that's probably the biggest one for me. Mm -hmm. Um but I think it, it varies person to person. But like Matt says, I don't think it's it's huge that you be in a state of ketosis at all times mm -hmm. because you don't need to be in a state of ketosis to reach your goals, to feel really good and to, you know, have more control over what you eat and your hunger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Also, just wondering, so whose idea was it? Like, I always wonder how this came up. Like, was were one of you like we are going to start a YouTube channel today and show everyone us doing keto. Like, how did that come up? <laughs> Matt uh, said we should start a food blog, right? Yeah, food okay. blog was the first thing. Yeah. Okay. And then he, Matt literally started every decision. You think? Well, you came up with them. Like, even Keto Connect and Keto for Normies, both of those names are, are Matt-driven. Yeah, I come up with, I would say, more of the ideas. Uh in general. Except we got one big thing coming and she came up with the name. I came we up can't with tell it. you what it is yet though. We, I can't wait see. to I can't wait to find out. That'll be interesting. Yeah. <gasps> do, um, do, but, yeah, go ahead. Oh, one thing that helped us really stick with it was I bought like a six hundred dollar camera. And if <laughs> I don't I think if I didn't buy the camera, 
we would have given up much sooner because, you know, you put $600 into something, you have to justify it. Yeah, so pay it off. Basically. So that is my advice to anyone. Like buy something completely unreasonable for the job that you want to create for yourself. And then you'll, you'll feel like you have to make it a reality. Mm-hmm. Do your like family and friends eat keto? Or do they think that you're crazy? Uh, my dad wouldn't like, if you said the word keto to him right now, he would just be completely confused, <laughs> but no one, no one in my family. Yeah. Does a keto diet. My dad's proud and he thinks what we're doing is cool, but mm-hmm. no. Yeah. My f- sisters both try it. And I think I would say they do it kind mm-hmm. of. Um, and my family, they just don't get it. Right. My family, family. pretends I don't do this for a living. Yeah. They pretend I'm still a computer engineer. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. I love it. I just think it's so interesting. I feel like everyone in the health space, their friends and family all kind of think they're weird and they just pretend like they're not doing what they're doing. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) My family has no idea what my job is and I don't even know either. (laughs) So it's fine. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. So, okay. let's say somebody wants to get started. Where do you recommend they like go to get information like to get started? I mean, I think Reddit is a huge resource because it has a lot of people's experiences and stories. And I think, like you said, right, you like to learn from people's experiences. I do, too. And I think a lot of people just want to be able to relate and know that they're normal and what they're doing is normal. And so Reddit and also our YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. because we bring a lot of that. Yeah. You guys are so fun to binge watch. Like the other weekend, my (laughs) friends and I, we were like, we should watch a movie. And then we decided to just watch the whole 4,000 calorie Oh, oh my god! Oh. <laughs> and I wanted to throw up watching all of the fat. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. Um, yeah, it was great. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me. And can you just tell everyone where exactly where they can find you if they want to hear more from you or watch your videos? Absolutely. Our food blog has all of our great recipes, KetoConnect.net, and then KetoConnect on YouTube, Keto from Normie's podcast mm-hmm. and Instagram, Keto Connect, everything. And we have a cookbook too. Oh, yeah. You can pre order it now. Keto Made Easy. It's on Amazon. It'll come out May 15th. Yep. Awesome. Well, congrats on that. I didn't know about that. So I got to pick mm-hmm. that up. Yeah. But thanks yeah. again for coming on. This was so great. Thank you for having yep, us. Thanks. I just want to thank Matt and Mega again for coming on the show and talking all things keto with me and also congratulate them again on getting engaged. I love it. I love them so much. They are so smart. They're hilarious. They're so nice and down to earth. Make sure you show them a lot of love. Go check out their YouTube channel, their podcast, Keto for Normies. Get their new book, Keto Made Easy. It's awesome. Head to their website, ketoconnect.net. And definitely give them some love on Instagram too, Keto Connect. You can find them everywhere. So very excited that they were on the show today. I hope you guys got a lot of fun information out of that. And that's all I have for you this week. If you liked it, make sure you leave a rating and a review on iTunes. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.